0: You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by the Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Corporate and law firm leaders call on Gina Rubel for high-stakes public relations, crisis planning, and incident response support, including high-profile litigation media relations. One of the most widely acknowledged experts on legal marketing and law firm public relations, Gina is a sought-after speaker and media expert. Gina founded and continues to lead Furia Rubel Communications and has been listed among the 2019 and 18 Law Dragon Global 100 leading consultants and strategists to the legal profession. So I've got with me on the show today, Gina Rubel. Gina, I'm excited to have you here today. And today we're talking about reputation management and positioning yourself for success. Thanks for joining me today, Gina.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Scott. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, I really appreciate your background because you've done the work as a litigator, as an attorney, you've done the work. And you have a vast amount of experience in your area of specialization in marketing and PR. So tell me, how did you make that transition? How did you get started in legal marketing?
1: You know, it's interesting. I've always loved proactive communications. In fact, uh, my undergraduate degree from Drexel University was in corporate communications and international business. And I worked as the director of marketing and corporate communications for several uh, technology companies early in my career. Mm -hmm. When I went to law school, I practiced law in Philadelphia as a judicial law clerk and litigator. And I was handling a lot of very high profile litigation. And I realized that there was an opportunity to marry my two loves, law and communications, and bring it together for something a little
0: bit different. That's great. And so within the work that you do on reputation management, Tell me, what does that mean when you state that attorneys have to focus on reputation management? What exactly does that mean?
1: Well, if you were to take a textbook description, which I'm not going to give you, it's more about uh, online. They talk about well, managing your reputation online. That's not really what I wanted to focus on. It's really about all of the components which begin with personal relationships. That means the relationships with family and friends. Uh, in one's law firm, in bar association endeavors, with everyone that an attorney comes in contact with. As you may already know, lawyers are notorious for not returning calls, right? Okay. Clients, what's their number one gripe? They don't oh return God, their I calls. Thought I thought
0: it was just me. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's part of your reputation. You get known for whether or not you're responsive. Uh, if you're meeting the needs and expectations of your clients, how you bill, and those are some of the things that start to build one's reputation. And then there's all of those other pieces like volunteer work, pro bono work, board participation, and a myriad of other things that lawyers need to do to develop the reputation to be who they say they actually are.
0: Right. So let me ask you this, kind of synthesizing some of the things you mentioned just now. Uh, some of the things I heard you say... that you have to be responsive. You have to, I would say, you've got to be a good citizen within your firm. So it's basically the reputation, would it be accurate to say that it begins based on the relationships? Do you think just the relational aspect of that? that's kind of the core that everything about a reputation stems away from?
1: That's all we have. Hmm. Not just our relationships, you know, it's and that's what it is a relationship with your employer, with your family, with your clients, with your referral sources. But I always am known to say perception is nine-tenths of the of the truth. How you're perceived is someone else's truth, whether or not it's true uh to you. And so how you're perceived and the relationships and the way you present yourself is what creates the reputation that one needs to manage from the get-go.
0: So let me ask you this. Let's just say, and I want to come back to some of these other things you're talking about, but let's say there is an inaccurate perception of a partner and word gets around. Have you ever seen that happen before where here's an inaccurate perception and it starts to spread into some sort of a rumor or something like that? Have you ever seen things like that happen before?
1: Sure, we see it all the time. We see it with our children in high school and we see it with adults in the business place. And there are so many things that you can do to counteract negativity, assuming it's, it, they're false. It's a false rumor. So, and, and even when it's not a false rumor, sometimes it, what's interesting to me, being a lawyer and a communicator, and I am finding that our industry is learning to become more transparent. But transparency was not one of our best traits in past years. So it's like, well, no, don't say that, or let's hide that, or let's not talk about that. And transparency is where people, people do have empathy. And if they understand someone their their, what I like to call their life experience a little bit better, where they're coming from, they're either more forgiving most of the time, or they're more understanding. And so there are times where you do have to face an issue head on. And as a lawyer, that's the the biggest challenge in, for example, crisis communications, which I do a lot of, is that fine line between what you can say, what you can't say, what you should say, and why, and getting the lawyers to agree.
0: Interesting. Well, we've we've got some interesting topics that you've just drawn up here in front of us. Let me come back to those, but but let me let me talk about transparency. You mentioned that before, and a friend of mine, David Latt, he started above the law, left that recently, getting into the recruiting business, and I'm excited to see him do that because I think he'll do really well. And remember, yeah,
1: he just had an interview with ALM, um, right. recently. It was A L M recently. It was a nice
0: piece. Yeah, it was. And I thought I heard, I heard that, and I thought that was interesting. Just the pressure that social media and media has put on firms to become more transparent, do you think that's a trend? Do you think it's ever going to change or do you think that's just the way it is? If a partner does something bad, it's going to be Until
1: the internet implodes completely, it's not right. going to change.
0: Right.
1: Uh, you know, one of the things, I do a lot of cybersecurity crisis planning and training on the reputation management side. And I keep saying, you know, these are the things that are going to keep us in business because it's not going away. And so social media, as it, it may change, but it's not going away. Like I said, if the internet implodes, perhaps, and we don't know what, what the world is going to look like 20 years from now, but in the relatively near future, these tools have become the fabric of how we communicate, and they absolutely must be embraced. And people expect more transparency today because they can get it. They right. can demand it. And that's just, it's, it's the nature of the beast. The industry, the way we communicate has changed. The media market has changed. And frankly, it's a little bit easier to control the message today than it ever was.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: So think about, go back 20, 25 years ago when the only way you could get your story told was to buy a full page editorial or to hope a journalist would tell your story from your perspective. Now you have blogs, you have citizen journalism, you have social media, you have, <laughs> you know, you open letters to the community. I mean, all of these tools that are used now to share one's perspective, they also open a lot of other cans of worms because you still have to manage all of the, the back and forth once you put a message out there. However, you can still tell your story and have it be heard. And that it's, it's easier today.
0: So... Let me ask you this question related to the partner listening to this. Maybe their firm gets involved in managing the firm's narrative with social media and the media. Is there anything that you think a partner, if the partner is with the large firm or a small firm, do you think that they can just delegate that to the firm's marketing PR department? Or do you think they need to take an active role in their reputation management? You just
1: hit on one of my hot buttons.:
0: Oh I did. <laughs> and I didn't even give you that question to talk about, as you know.
1: Social media is social and it's personal. And as far as I'm concerned, even though we do help some of our clients with their social media, we are always training them on how to take ownership of it. These are relationships. It's your reputation, every single partner should have an act at the very least should have the best linkedin profile possible complete from top to bottom and they should own the relationships that they have on linkedin and those their whole profile should be speaking to both their target audience as to who they serve and why it matters as well as their current employer or future employer if they're looking to move laterally as to the benefits they bring to the table mm-hmm. That is not... And so I just recently had a client say to me, well, when I was at a big firm recently, the the marketing department did all my social media. And I said, well, that's a shame. I said, that's a real shame because you didn't learn how to use it. You didn't learn how to use it well. And now we have to teach you because you need to own that space. A marketer can't answer a question that is posed to a lawyer. What What if they get a legal question? Right. You know, and so there's so many different elements to that, but these are relationships, and they are. Social media has given us the opportunity to have these incredible tools, and for corporate lawyers in particular, GCs are on LinkedIn. They're looking. Right. I've done interviews with GCs um, many. I've sat in on many GC panels, and if they're focused on GCs, they're they're there. They're looking on LinkedIn. They want to know who you know. They're looking at your relationships. They're asking people about you before they ever accept a meeting. So um, I know I'm going on a tangent, but
0: it is very important.
1: important for lawyers to own their social media.
0: Do you think that has resulted in an increase in business for certain partners if they take an active interest in this? They know how to manage it. They become proficient. And maybe even exceptional at managing their social media reputation. Do you think that can translate into an increase in business for them?
1: I know it has. It's not a matter of think. I know it has.
0: Tell me about that. We've seen
1: the we've seen the return on investments with clients. We've seen where they've reconnected with colleagues from law school who now know that they niche in a certain industry or in a certain practice where they get referrals. We've seen where they've increased relationships. We've seen where they've had doors open for them. We've seen where they've had clients uh, provide testimonials, of course, in the States where that is ethical. (laughs) I I, (laughs) know your podcast is national, so I have to say that. But we see it all the time. I've gotten tons of referrals through social media over the 17 years that I've had my business. And why that matters to the partners listening is I provide a service just like a lawyer provides a service. And the decision makers for us are the corporate decision makers, the in-house people, the C-suites, and they reach out to us there. So I can say for my business as well as for the lawyers that we've worked with.
0: That's great. So is there a menu item of recommendations you could give, like what are the top two or three social media rituals or action steps a partner can take? to raise their profile and to raise their uh, their reputation?
1: Well, if I could take a step back just for a second, I don't want to just talk about the social media aspect. It's part of it. Okay. But I think it starts with having a strategic business development plan.
0: Oh, that's a good place to start. Tell me about and that. And
1: so, you know, it really, oftentimes lawyers... Uh, the the way I like to equate it is you have a new matter come in the door, a new client come in the door, and the first thing you're going to ask is, what is our objective? What do we want to accomplish? Who's the audience? Who are we dealing with? What are the facts? And how are we going to get there? What's the game plan? A strategic business development plan is no different. Some like to call it a strategic marketing plan. Some call it business development. We rarely call it sales and legal, as you know. <laughs> Um, That's a four-letter word or five-letter word. But having that plan, knowing what you want to accomplish, who you want to reach, and what you will reasonably do to follow through with it is the first step. And social media is one of those pieces. So in addition to being a good lawyer, which is expected, by the way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not a differentiator. And I like to tell partners that. The fact that you're a good lawyer is not a differentiator. You need to know who you are and what makes you different. And then sharing that information, that thought leadership, is what allows you to join the online discourse in a way that is um, fruitful, as you will. Mm. So... Publishing articles and writing blogs or chapters in, in CLE books, or even a book, you know, I'm, I've just finished my second book, or being quoted as a source by the media, presenting a CLE. All of those things become content for you to share at us from a thought leadership perspective in social media. Mm-hmm. That said, lawyers, many professionals make a big mistake and think they should only share original content. And actually, original content should probably be anywhere from 25 to 50% of what they share. The other 50% or more should be curated content. In other words, I just saw this great podcast by Scott Love, and I'm going to share a link to it on my LinkedIn because they were talking about client relationship mapping, and I thought this was brilliant. Right. So, I share it with my audience, which by the way, I did, and they engage with that because I see value there. That's not my topic. It's not my area of expertise. But to some extent, I have a, a network that because I, I do believe in sharing good thought leadership, who respect what I share because I don't just throw out, you know, especially on LinkedIn, every time, you know, one of my kids did something great at school. Right. Um, And that's okay, by the way, for Facebook, not for LinkedIn. So sharing curated content that is relevant and of value to your target audience is a very large part of reputation management. Because you're taking the time to share something of import. And years ago, go back to the business development days of late where we used to comb the newspaper and cut out that article and write a note to someone and say, hey, I thought this article would be relevant to something we discussed in our meeting last week. And then you'd fold it up and you'd mail it. you actually put a stamp on it. Do you remember those days? I do, I do. <laughs> I still do that sometimes, by the way. <laughs> um, but more more likely, if it's an article, I'm going to send a link or I'm going to share it. And then I'm going to say in a comment, oh, by the way, so-and-so, I thought you might find this of interest or I'm just going to send them to them directly. So all of these things... Start with, to answer your original question, a strategic business plan. Hmm. And then how you're going to capitalize on each piece, and social media is one of the ways to capitalize on it.
0: I think that we could probably do a whole day seminar on something like that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It goes on every
1: cool. single type of social media.
0: Right, right. So, what do you think are some of the mistakes that attorneys are making when it comes? to their public relations or social media?
1: Okay, so (laughs) I actually keep a list. Not having a strategic plan is a big one. Okay. Not being able to articulate what differentiates them from everything that their competitors do. And differentiation is a whole nother subject. It's It's literally, I've done training on how to differentiate yourself or your firm.
0: You know, we could probably bring you back on here and talk just about that.
1: There you go. And, and there are other experts who can speak on it as well. But the, the point is that knowing what makes you different is really important. And it's not just, like I said earlier, not just being a good lawyer. The follow the other firm approach. They're doing it, so should we. You know, The tail wagging the dog. Expecting your marketing department to do all of your social media engagement, which we've already touched on. A big one that I see in the industry is just throwing darts to see what sticks and then saying that didn't work right without any way to measure it. Law firms in general, marketing by consensus committee as opposed to trusting the experts. You know expecting your marketers to close the deal, your marketing department's going to close the deal as opposed to helping them to understanding that marketing helps you identify and capitalize on opportunities. It's the these are relationships. You said that earlier, Scott the relationships. And while even in your business, you can bring someone to the table, you can introduce them to a law firm, they still have to develop the relationship.
0: That's right.
1: And it's no different than a client hiring an attorney within a law firm. They still have to win the deal. Mm -hmm. Website LinkedIn bios that are all about the attorneys and speak nothing about what the attorney and our law firm can do for the clients or prospective clients or worse yet, attorney bios or LinkedIn profiles that have one paragraph for somebody who's been practicing for twenty five years. Right, right, right. I mean, I can't stress this enough. I did an um, I presented at a partners retreat recently out in Portland, uh, Oregon, and one of the things we spoke a lot about, which you'd be surprised, is bios, attorney bios, and the importance of them. And, which also speaks to the attorney bio on LinkedIn, but not talking about, oh, I went to this law school and I, you know, I was on law review and I wrote this publication and I presented this CLE. And, you know, while people care, they really don't. They want to know, what can you do for me? Do you understand my problems and can you help me deal with them or avoid them?
0: That's right. And the one thing I'm going to promote for you right now was the article that you wrote on LinkedIn that I read earlier this week which is great. And I'd forgotten about that So you mentioned it. 11 tips for writing effective attorney bios. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's spot on because I, I read attorney bios for a living. I've probably re- read more attorney bios than any law firm leader <laughs> because that's what I do. And this is, anybody that's listening, I'd recommend connecting with Gina on LinkedIn and, and we'll put the show links. We'll put your LinkedIn profile on the show link notes. And then I'd say that article that you wrote is a must read.
1: Well, you know how life is so symbiotic. I wrote that article as a result of the partner retreat Mm. because it wasn't only what we presented, but it addressed questions that came up. And these are all senior partners, incredible lawyers that I get to work with on a regular basis. And they have very valid questions. And, you know, Let's think about it. Some of these people who have been practicing for more than 20 years, I'm dating myself, we Mm -hmm. didn't have social media.
0: Right, right.
1: You know, and so it's a little bit daunting and yet it's so important. So, And I, I think the last mistake attorneys make is thinking that everything is newsworthy in PR. It's really having a very solid understanding of when you're engaging in public relations, because your question was marketing and PR, not everything an attorney does is newsworthy. And not every publication is going to act upon a press release. But, and, and I have a big but there, every press release is findable online. And all of that content will help build a solid reputation so that when a member of the media wants to quote someone as a source, that's all gonna help them become findable. And so it's a balance. And I mean, it's a very fine-tuned dance is what it comes down to.
0: Well, Gina, I think you have some amazing content. Your work is exceptional. I think any law firm and any partner can benefit by getting to know you. Uh, Tell me, what are the things that you do? Do you do a mix of consulting? Do you speak, well, you mentioned partner retreats. Do you speak at legal trade associations? Do you do one-on-one consulting? What, what's kind of the menu offerings that you bring to the legal industry?
1: So at Fury & we're what we call an integrated marketing agency. So we look at what a client's needs are and help them come up with a plan to meet those needs. We also provide crisis communications planning and training. So for example, I mentioned earlier, if there's a cyber crisis, oftentimes we'll be called in to help deal with the reputation side of that. Not the technical side; that is outside my area of expertise. Wow. I do speak at industry conferences uh, personally. As some of my teammates do as well. We do attorney training in the areas uh, that we have an expertise in, so individual planning, uh, business development planning, marketing, PR, media training, crisis planning and management. But really, what we love to do is become a part of the team. Hmm. be trusted, and help our attorneys along the journey because some, for some of our clients, all we do is public relations and media relations. Right. For others, right. we're doing a mix of all of those things. But being a trusted part of the team, and, and I can't say it enough, trusted, because the word vendor has gotten very ugly. Right. We're a strategic partner, just like a law firm is to its clients. We're providing counsel. And we're helping them get from point A to point Z through the various forms of communications. And I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, I still maintain my license. So I do CLEs all the time and um, within my areas of expertise, obviously.
0: So, what do you love about what you do, Gina?
1: I love it. You know, just like being a lawyer, I like having new challenges all the time. When I went into the practice of law, I always loved the opportunity to take a new matter and new case, a new client, and pick it apart and understand really what is this opportunity, what do we need to accomplish, and how do we get there? And it's no—I don't do anything differently. I just use—it's the way we communicate that's different in marketing and PR as opposed to law, but we're doing a lot of the same things. You know, and a, a communications assessment is a client intake tool. <laughs> <She will. laughs> when you're handling the media, we do a lot of trial publicity. But when we're doing it, it's very high profile matters. You know, telling somebody from Good Morning America why this is such an important story, because it's going to change lives. And, you know, I can actually say, yes, we've had a couple of clients on on. Programs such as that and other national programs because the story was newsworthy. It was valid. And in other cases, it's really just helping to tell the story in a way that enriches the audience as well as the client. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. And I don't have to argue with anyone, which I really enjoy.
0: (laughs) Well, Gina, this is great. We're going to put all of your links on the show notes. And when we have this live, we'll put the information about your new book on there. But I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to be on the show, for giving this solid content that I know can can help people to thrive in building their reputation and ultimately their practice, which uh, makes their whole lives a lot better also. So it's, it's obvious that you're very passionate about this and very good at this. And I, I can't wait to continue getting to know you, Gina. This is great. We'll Thanks, Scott. I you.
1: feel the same way. It's really um, been I, a pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you. We'll have you back. And I, and I like that idea of points of distinction. We could do another program on how to write law firm bio. We get to do a whole (laughs) on that. So we'll we'll come up with some other things and we'll be in touch. And thank you again for being on the podcast show today.
1: It's my pleasure. I really do appreciate it.
0: Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.